Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Storytime for Weirdos. This episode is entitled The Judicial Review Committee. My junior year of college, I was invited to serve on the Judicial Review Committee. I attended a large state school with a good reputation in a city with open-minded liberal views. I was in a fraternity, and when I mentioned the invitation to the House President, he was supportive, stating that this type of leadership opportunity at a university-wide level would burnish the House's reputation. I accepted the invitation and began attending the meetings. The committee consisted of a faculty member, an undergraduate student, me, and a graduate student. The graduate student was a woman in the English department. The faculty member was from the education department. Unlike other graduate students and faculty members I had encountered, these two treated me like an adult. I learned a lot from the seriousness with which they approached the cases before the committee. The committee acted as a final appeals board for the university's disciplinary process. Complaints against students by other students were the trigger for an investigation. The lower levels of the process attempted to arbitrate disputes, with violations of the code of conduct receiving some level of punishment. The punishments were articulated in the code of conduct and took the form of fines, suspensions, or rarely expulsion. The students presented their cases themselves, and the committee rarely had to make a final decision. Defendants could, in many cases, plea down the punishment with the assent of the complainant and the administration. I do not remember all of the details of the final case, but the basic outline was a female student accused a male student of harassment. They both lived in the dorms, and there was a confrontation where the male entered the woman's bathroom while the female student was taking a shower. What I remember clearly was the male student was represented by a lawyer. It wasn't clear who was paying for the lawyer, but the lawyer took great pains to mention time and time again that the male student was on a football scholarship. I remember the female student was earnest, calm, but still believably distraught. The male student said nothing and seemed annoyed that he had to be at the committee meeting at all. After the meeting with the two students and the lawyer, the committee members deliberated. It was a clear-cut case. The behavior of the male student was inappropriate. The punishment was a quarter suspension. We discussed whether this was an appropriate punishment It was not up to us to determine that we could only overturn or affirm that a punishment was warranted. The Code of Conduct laid out the punishment for harassment a single quarter of suspension. The graduate student pointed out that after a quarter, the male student would likely be back at school and able to harass again. This was a distressing thought, and we took pains to include in our decision recommendations to prohibit future contact, and house the students in different parts of campus. We voted unanimously to uphold the charge of harassment 
and submitted our decision. I remember feeling good about it. The male student would be removed from campus for a time, and hopefully the female student would never encounter him again. I hoped that he would learn a lesson from the experience. A quarter suspension would be disruptive, but not devastating. That was at the end of my junior year. In August, I attended the first day of marching band practice of my senior year. I had been in band since freshman year and counted as a highlight of my college experience. I loved being in band, and I was good at it. I showed up that first morning in late summer happy and excited to start my senior year. The assistant director approached me in the instrument room as I was putting away my case. He told me to see the director before rehearsal. It was an odd request, but I wasn't particularly worried. My freshman year had been the director's first year, and we had a good relationship. I showed up in his office, and he asked me to sit down, more serious than I had ever seen him. He asked me if I knew why the head football coach had called him into a meeting yesterday, yelled at him about controlling his members, and told him that I, specifically, should be kicked out of the marching band. I was in shock. The football coach was the highest-paid public employee in the state. More people knew his name than could name the governor. I told the director that I had no idea why that would happen. He admonished me to keep my nose clean and get back to practice. Later that week, the student-run newspaper published its first issue of the year. In it was an op-ed condemning the Judicial Review Committee as an unaccountable, out-of-control, and overly powerful menace to the student body. The article was accompanied by a cartoon of a dead-eyed figure in black robes slamming down a giant gavel like a sledgehammer. The op-ed did not mention the case of harassment specifically, but quoted from the decision, citing the recommendations to limit future contact and the direction to house the students on different parts of campus as proof of an out-of-control, unaccountable governing body. The weekend before classes started was the first football game of the year. As a member of the marching band, I spent the whole day from dawn until late that night rehearsing, playing pre-game, cheering, marching at halftime, and playing post-game events. I returned to my fraternity house late that night, exhausted. As I stumbled down to breakfast the next day, our operations manager told me to check my mailbox. In it was a violation for missing the fraternity's annual pre-class all-day cleaning. It came with a steep $100 fine. I could pay the fine or the house leadership would consider my appeal the next week. I was incensed. I had been a member of the fraternity since I was a freshman and had missed this event every year because of the first football game of the season. Everyone knew about the game and the conflict. I was not the only member of the marching band in the house, but I was the only one who had received the violation. Class started the next day, and I received an email informing me that the Judicial Review Committee was having a meeting on Wednesday. I remember thinking that it was odd that I was just told when the committee would meet. Usually, we had to give available times, and it would be scheduled around our commitments. On Tuesday, the fraternity's leadership met. I showed up with several of my friends, the other members of the marching band in the house, and a record of previous years of missing the pre-class cleaning. 
The meeting was chaos. The president of the fraternity called my behavior irresponsible and a disgrace. He threatened the other members of the marching band who defended me. It was like he was a different person. I had once thought of him as a friend. After finding the rational arguments and appeals were met with hostility and personal attacks, I asked why he was doing this. What did he seek to accomplish? He snapped that he, quote, hoped I would move out. The room got quiet. He said that I'd embarrass the house and I needed to be shown the way the world worked. Someone, I don't remember who, broke the silence by saying, I don't think this is about missing the pre-class cleaning. Suddenly, all of it clicked. The football coach telling the band director to kick me out of band, the op-ed, this incident with my fraternity, I said, this is about the judicial review committee thing. In a beat, the fraternity president and several of the other leaders were saying things like, that guy does more for the university than that girl ever will, and he could have lost his scholarship. I took out my checkbook, and I wrote a check for $100, and I slammed it on the table. I think I said something along the lines of, here's the money for missing the cleanup day. Now we don't have to talk about this ever again. Several of the people in that room did not speak to me for the rest of the year. The next day, the Judicial Review Committee, it was just me and the faculty member, along with the Chief of Staff for the university's president. The Chief of Staff explained that the Judicial Review Committee was being disbanded and the function would be handled by the President's office directly from now on. As we left the administration building, the faculty member approached me and said something along the lines of, Looks like we poked the bear. I agreed and told him about the thing with marching band. He nodded and said that he'd lost some grant funding. I asked if he knew where the graduate student was. He did not. I later learned that she'd lost her funding entirely and wasn't able to continue in her program. Some of us paid a steeper price than others. I completed my senior year without incident. I took a year off after graduation to work. During that year, I applied for graduate programs. At an interview at a school in a different state, a panelist out of nowhere asked me about my time on the Judicial Review Committee. It wasn't mentioned anywhere in my application materials. The line of questions focused on whether I had learned anything about balance and discretion. I had replied that I learned that doing the right thing sometimes has consequences, but it also has its own reward. I was not accepted into that program. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Storytime for Weirdos, a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes posted on the first and third Saturday of every month.